Gravy is brought to you by the Southern Foodways Alliance. Visit us on the web at southernfoodways.org. There you'll find our Atlanta's Buford Highway Oral History Project. This collection of interviews profiles a 30-mile international corridor packed with strip malls featuring native cuisines of varied immigrant populations, one next door to another. New interviews conducted at our Summer Oral History Workshop will be added soon. And while you're online, consider a donation. Donations make all SFA work possible, including this podcast and oral history projects that explore the contributions of new Southerners. You're listening to Gravy. 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 Stories of the changing American South told through the foods we eat. We're a production of the Southern Foodways Alliance, and I'm John T. Edge, your host. Sarah Reynolds has been road tripping through Alabama. Specifically, she's been traveling southeast Alabama, in and around Montgomery, the state capital. Edward Lee, the Korean-American chef, who made his reputation in Louisville, joined her for part of that jaunt. He's been exploring how immigration impacts American identity and American dining for an upcoming book. Now, if you think about it, the meat and three is a pretty common form in the South. Montgomery restaurants excel at that form. Sarah, you focused on restaurants that serve the equivalent of a meat and six or a meat and eight. And if you count bulgogi, shaved beef ribeye, as the meat, and a bunch of those individual saucers of Korean pickles as the sides, that's not much of an exaggeration, right, Sarah? Not really. You're sitting at a table with several dishes in front of you, not just your own dish, your own plate like you would have with a meat and three or like any other average American meal. You have the meat and six, seven, eight side dishes, tiny dishes that everyone shares by just reaching their chopsticks in. For any story about food in Montgomery, you have to start at a place like Davis. The Davis Cafe on North Decatur Street is a timeless Montgomery establishment. For a first-time visitor, finding the place can be tricky. It's tucked away in a residential neighborhood, and the tall signpost is so worn you can hardly see the name Davis Cafe scrawled across it as you squint into the sun. It opened in 1988 and is still owned by the same family. I took Edward Lee there. He's the owner and chef at 610 Magnolia in Louisville, Kentucky. He's the child of immigrants from South Korea, grew up in Brooklyn, and moved to Louisville in 2002. His cooking borrows from both traditional Southern and Korean cuisines, among others. Braised kalbi, short ribs and grits, collards and kimchi, pork chops fried and coated with crushed ramen noodles. Edward came to Montgomery because he's been interested in the overlap of these two cultures' cuisines, Korean and the American South. And he's working on a book about immigrant foods around the U.S., how they make their way into American culture, and how they also maintain their own traditions within it. But here at Davis, there's no sign of kimchi alongside the fried chicken and cornbread. This place hasn't changed much since it opened nearly 30 years ago. It is strictly belly-filling soul food. We have beef tips over rice, pork chops and gravy, liver and onions, fried chicken, steamed rice and gravy, turns and mustard greens. When I asked Shauna Davis how long she's been working here, she didn't even try counting the years. Forever, she tells me. Her mom and dad opened the place, and she's worked here ever since, waiting tables. All right, so I'm going to have, do you have any liver at all? No, no. Edward orders first. I'll take a pork chop then. Okay. No okra no and okra. no broccoli. No broccoli. But we have everything else. All right, so I'm going to have, you said you have no turnip greens? We have turnip greens. Oh, yeah, I'll take turnip greens. Get one more side. Broccoli with cheese. No broccoli. If you come for a late lunch, as we have, they may be out of what you're looking for. It's a busy place. 
dark walls, low ceiling, no windows, but somehow plenty of light and the bubble of conversation. The food comes quickly, a plate of cornbread, the meat and veg piled high, fried chicken for me and a pork chop for Edward, tall glasses of icy sweet tea. Since we're in Montgomery to understand more about the growing Korean community and their food, we asked the chef, Cynthia Davis, what she knows about it. She's the daughter of the founders, George and the late Josie Davis. She's the sister of Shauna, our server. She's noticed the Korean community in her hometown, but she's never tried Korean food, or Chinese food for that matter, and she's skeptical. You've never had Chinese food? No! You don't eat Chinese food? Cynthia's niece, Sheila, chimes in. She works the phones and the register. Never, in your whole life, never, never. What do you eat? You eat, you eat? Just soul food, just that's it. Because you don't trust it, or just because you don't like the flavor? I never tasted it. Because they ain't brainwashed. I'm, I'm kind of, yeah, like kind of brainwashed, I don't trust it. Hey, if I bring you some Korean food, will you take it, try a bite? What you got to bring? I don't, it's a surprise. It's not going to be a cat or dog. I promise you. <laughs> I'm not taking orders. I'm just gonna bring some stuff and you try it. You try it. Yeah. I'd be want to try it, but skip. Oh. Just save me one piece of sweet potato pie. That's all I ask. You. I got you. What's and I, Eddie. Eddie, I got one pie. Eddie the Korean. Eddie the Korean. Hello. And I will, I will bring you some Korean food tomorrow. Hello. Thank you, ladies. Thank you. You've been very nice. You've been very nice. Most of the Korean restaurants in Montgomery have cropped up on the other side of town from the Davis Cafe. In 2005, Hyundai Motor Manufacturing Alabama, known as HMMA, opened a massive plant in Montgomery, out by the airport. The company's based in Seoul, South Korea, so with its arrival came Koreans to work there, some coming from South Korea on temporary visas from three months to five years, some bringing their families with them with a plan to return home to Korea, and some staying longer and getting permanent residency. This burst of Korean culture in Montgomery was a catalyst for many more to move to town. It's hard to find consistent population numbers, but somewhere between 10,000 and 12,000 Koreans live in the Montgomery area. There was a noticeable increase in the population of Koreans with the arrival of Hyundai, the largest industrial employer in Montgomery. In 2005, when the plant opened, there were three Korean-speaking churches in the Montgomery area. Now there are 14 one Catholic and 13 Protestant. The largest has 750 congregants. And with Hyundai's move to Alabama and an influx of a new culture and people, the city created a very specific position to assist them. And my job is, my title is as the Korean Family Support Coordinator uh, for the city of Montgomery and the county of Montgomery. That's Jean Charbonneau, when she took this post more than a decade ago, it was supposed to be temporary, but she's been at the job ever since, and she loves it. Jean is from California, but she moved to Montgomery 20 years ago when her husband was assigned to Maxwell Gunter Air Force Base. In fact, she and her husband met when they were both on assignment in Seoul, Korea, more than 30 years ago. She'd already retired from the Army when this job crossed her path in 2002. When Hyundai first announced, it was in the project agreement the um, Korean negotiators actually asked, and they said they wanted someone to help their families adjust to life in America. That was the job description. Listening to Jean talk about all the ways she assists new immigrants as they arrive, I think if every city or town hired a liaison like this, we'd be living in a different world. If you're going to be in a location for 
three or four or five years, you have to learn how to live in that location. And so, you know, that's kind of my job is when something odd comes up, they know they can call me or email me or text me and I will help them work out whatever odd little obstacle has jumped in their way that they just don't know how to access. That's everything from finding a place to live, finding health care, choosing the right school for their kids, interpreting utility bills, getting a driver's license, even organizing field trips for stay-at-home moms. The list goes on, all of this to foster an easy transition into a new life in Montgomery. So I would coordinate and rent a bus, a 50-passenger bus, and I would send out an email, and I would get information back, and the wives and the kids, and I would organize field trips. I wanted them to see more than just Montgomery. Jean works with about 400 families in the Montgomery area, parents and kids. And these are educated white-collar workers, for the most part. She helps them adjust to their new surroundings, but also helps them find ways to maintain their connections to Korea. For example, in South Korea, children go to school on Saturdays, in addition to regular school days. So Hyundai helped to open a Saturday school in Montgomery. And a couple other Saturday schools like this have cropped up since. The children brush up on their Korean grammar and learn Korean history and culture. When they go away at the end of a three or four or five year term, when they do go back to Korea, to ever, whoever they're talking to, we want them to say, oh, you're going to love Montgomery. They are ambassadors for our community. If they've been treated poorly, if they haven't had a good reception, if they haven't had good experiences, then they, they will talk about that. Jean often collaborates with Mi Soon Han, the executive director of AKEEP the Alabama-Korea Education and Economic Partnership. It's affiliated with Troy University at Montgomery. Jean and Misun both see parallels between Southern American culture and Korean culture, and it's why Misun has stayed in Montgomery for so long. I have noticed that Southern Baptists may emphasize more about sharing food than other groups, but the Koreans are preparing food. We make sure that we feed each other. Or it's really important for our Korean culture. Misun's organization focuses on the relationship between Korea and Alabama more broadly. It began as an effort by South Korea's Department of Education to better connect with Alabama, as many Korean nationals had moved here to work for Hyundai and other affiliated companies. Some of their current projects include making Korean available as a foreign language class in the Alabama public school system. Also, an attempt to get Korean students credit for speaking Korean for the language requirement. As her focus is connecting these two seemingly disparate cultures, she hears both the Korean perceptions of Alabamians and the Alabamian perceptions of Koreans. Take food, for example. One plate of order, you will have a one side dish or two side dish, but one vegetable, one type of vegetable, one small portion of vegetable, but Korean plate... With the one main dish, you will have uh, so many side vegetable dishes that is uh, offered. And it's kind of you know, shocking for many Alabamians or Americans think of what, what, why are you ch- trying to charge me a lot? But those are all free. Not only they are free, but you can even ask more free refills most of the times. <laughs> Misun is talking about banchan, Korean side dishes. Kimchi, fermented vegetables, usually cabbage or radish. 
belchi, tiny anchovies, bean sprouts. Every meal is served with several of these small bowls spread around the table, and they're meant to be shared, as is the main dish, usually stew or meat. Your chopsticks move in and out of every dish and into your mouth, and so do everyone else's. It's not the kind of plate sharing many Americans are used to. But as much as I share mine with you, I expect you to share yours with me. So there is no boundary. As a one family, we define us who meet often or who sit together on a table as a family. And because of this mentality, Misun says splitting the bill at a restaurant isn't considered very polite. One person is accustomed to paying for the group, usually the older person, she says. And then this goes in turn. Next time, someone else will pay, which automatically creates a unit of people who dine together, a reliance, a sort of family around food, as she puts it. That's why in Montgomery, she was baffled when she received her first invitation to a potluck supper. One of my um, uh, you know, husband's friends have asked us to come for the dinner. But then she said, bring some food. I said, didn't you just invite me for dinner and you asked me to bring food? <laughs> I reluctantly prepared the food and attended the evening. I enjoyed definitely a variety of food, but it took me a long time to realize what kind of invitation is that, you know, for a meal. But now, I really, really enjoyed it. In Korea, if anybody invites you for a meal, then you expect bring no meal to that place. That's an insert to them, okay? They, they are in charge of a meal, so they will prepare a meal from, from the beginning to end. Misun first came to Montgomery in 1993 from a suburb of Seoul, South Korea. Her American husband was stationed at Maxwell Air Force Base they stayed for five years until his work took them elsewhere. Wisconsin, Kentucky, Illinois. But they returned to Alabama again in 2006. She says she missed the heat and the hospitality of the South. Again, Jean Charbonneau. I think that's one of the reasons our Korean team members, our Korean executives, our Korean companies have found it a, an easier adjustment than maybe they have in you know, some other places where it's not quite as family, extended relationship oriented. Those are things that I think are very common. It's about sharing a meal together that brings people together. Um, I think people in the South live that, and I think the Koreans live that. I think that's a very real parallel. Up next, Sarah Reynolds and Edward Lee mix and match cuisines. But first, SFA thanks Christopher Kimball's Milk Street Radio for supporting gravy. Listen to Milk Street Radio's podcast to travel the world to find new ways to cook. From a warm bowl of hummus in Tel Aviv to the grilled chicken of Thailand. Learn tips, techniques, and recipes from host Christopher Kimball. Subscribe to Milk Street Radio with Apple Podcasts, Radio Public, or wherever you get your podcasts. You may also be able to listen on your local public radio station. Before we get to the mixing and matching, before you and Edward drive Montgomery, Sarah, I don't know, help me set the scene. If I scroll through pictures on your phone from that day, what would I see? What did you eat? 
basically lots of photos of food we ate all day. We had bulgogi, lots of kimchi, Korean wings at a little hot wings joint, fried chicken and collards at Davis, and lots and lots of little banchan dishes at all those Korean meals we shared. Yeah, I know that kind of day pretty well. In addition to the Montgomery Hyundai plant, there's also Kia Motors Manufacturing Georgia in West Point, Georgia. That's about an hour northeast of Montgomery. It's part of the Hyundai Motor Group. And along the interstate that connects these two plants are more than 70 Korean-owned suppliers making car parts that employ thousands of Korean nationals. If you travel another 80 miles east, you'd be in Atlanta, where one of the fastest-growing K-towns in the country is putting down southern routes along Buford Highway. In Montgomery, there's a steadily growing Koreatown feel in the east side of town, cropping up along the strip malls of the Eastern Boulevard, home to Korean-owned hair salons, bowling alleys, karaoke bars, grocery stores, and restaurants, mostly places to eat or buy food. Whenever you move away or travel to a new place, emigrate to a new country, Chef Edward Lee says the first thing you'll long for is food from home. You know, when you think about what an immigrant goes through, you know, they, they sort of live their whole life in this one place with one identity. Chef Edward Lee is my partner on this trip to Korean Montgomery. He's an easygoing dining companion, longish dark hair, flannel shirt, and has questions for everyone we meet. He's the owner at 610 Magnolia in Louisville and author of the cookbook Smoke and Pickles. You know, and the first thing that you crave from the homeland is, you know, obviously there's friends, family, maybe religion and all that, but it's, it's food is, is, I mean, it's every single day, right? Like, it may take you a week to miss your uncle, right? But it's like you need to eat every single day. And so for, for immigrants, and you see that, like, the first thing they do is, like, someone sets up a restaurant. Edward Lee was born and raised in Canarsie, Brooklyn, New York City. He and his sister and his parents lived there with his grandmother, and she was the family cook, as his parents worked long hours on different ventures to support the family. A candy store, a dry cleaner, a corner diner, driving limos on the side. In 1972, when his parents emigrated from South Korea, Canarsie was a poor, Jewish and immigrant neighborhood. There weren't many Koreans there. So as a kid, Edward ate Indian curries, ketchup smothered over leftover Korean rice, jerk chicken on an Italian pizza. It sort of helped me to develop this idea that, that you can jump from culture to culture pretty seamlessly in cuisine if you do it with a certain understanding of where the roots of each cuisine are. And when he ended up in Kentucky many years later, he said he wasn't looking for the connection, but he found Southern and Korean cuisines tasting really good together. You know, I, I have this theory or this belief system that regions that lay on the same latitude or, or very similar latitudes across the world have cuisines that are very interchangeable um, because you have a growing climate that's very similar. So you may grow collards in Kentucky. You have the same thing in Korea, and they just call it something else. This is where you eat collards, but in my home country, this is where you would grow cabbage and use that for kimchi. But it's, this, it's really a very similar vegetable in, in how you eat it. And so the next logical step for me is, why don't we put it together and see what happens? And, you know, sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. When it works, like collards and kimchi, it's really good. It's like when I ate collard greens for the first time, it was in Kentucky, and I, I remember the first time eating it, and I was like, oh yeah, of course, this feels like home. 
And he's discovered that dishes like this, with both Southern and Korean feels, can trigger the same home-cooked food nostalgia in both cultures. One of these dishes is galbi and grits, something he serves at his restaurant, 610 Magnolia. Galbi is a traditional Korean dish. And grits? Well, it's Southern. It's basically beef short rib that you marinate in soy sauce, and then you braise it for about two and a half hours. And all the liquid, it's kind of like soy sauce with a lot of sugar, pine nuts. So it becomes like a sweet um, soy sauce marinade. Um, and you kind of reduce it down until it thickens a little bit. And you know, like in Korea, you would never use the word gravy. There's no such thing as gravy, right? You would take that in a bowl with the braising liquid, and then you would serve it with a side of rice and some kimchi, right? And so you kind of use the rice to sop up some of that liquid as you're eating the meat. That's how you'd see this dish on a Korean table. But at his fine dining restaurant, he didn't think this Korean-style, many-dishes concept would work as well. It's very hard for me to serve three bowls of something, right? Because we try and do composed plates, because that's you know, what we do in the Western canon. But if you put the rice underneath it, there's a reason why Koreans put the rice on the side, because if you put the rice underneath it, it will get too soggy, and the rice will just kind of expand and just soak up and it just won't be good. So what's the southern sort of equivalent to rice? Grits work because the grits are very hearty. They give you that same comforting feeling, but they're, they're not going to soak up the, the juice. And, and in fact, the gravy almost sits on top of the grits versus absorbing right into it, which the rice is like a sponge. It'll just like sop it up. Where the rice failed, the grits work. People who come to my restaurant who are from Louisville, Kentucky, or from all over the South, who've never eaten Korean food before, they eat it and they're like, this tastes very Southern. But then there will be Korean people who will eat that same dish and they go, oh, this tastes really Korean because it's soy sauce and it's pine nuts and it's sesame oil. And so the flavors are what they focus on, less on the textural stuff. So it's really interesting how that one dish can sort of play in two worlds. Some Korean restaurants in Montgomery market more to Koreans than to the locals, with menus missing English translation, limited bilingual staff, other Korean restaurants along the Eastern Boulevard advertise as Korean barbecue or even as sushi and Chinese food combined, offering the locals something more familiar, though you can still find Korean meals on the menu. Edward Lee says that many sushi restaurants in other U.S. cities are actually owned by Koreans, not Japanese. And there are a handful of classic southern chicken wing joints in Montgomery owned by Koreans, too. One Hot Wings we found has been owned and run by a Korean couple for nearly 20 years, and hidden at the very bottom of a very short menu, below the mild, hot, extra hot, and teriyaki, is Korean-style wings. Further east, in a home in Montgomery, is the sound of pulgogi sizzling on a grill on Soo Suk Young and Do Ah Kim's table, one of those traditional Korean dishes. Today, it's um, traditional Korean dinner that you can have in Montgomery. <laughs> This is called bulgogi, and usually it's best, um, it tastes best when you cook it right at the table. So we like to do that. Koreans like to cook, thing, cook things on the table. Um, it's usually sliced ribeye. Um, it's marinated with soy sauce and sesame seed oil, and there's garlic and onions, some brown sugar, and you cook it and you wrap it in a leaf, like a cabbage leaf or or sesame seed leaf, yes. The dinner table is set with several small dishes, the banchan, 
kimchi, tiny dried salted anchovies called belchi, dried seaweed called kim. There are sauces too, gochujang, a spicy fermented red chili paste. Also konmandi, which Doa likens to potstickers or those mini frozen pizza rolls that her children love. This is a very typical thing that we eat at home on during dinner. It's, a, it's also a side dish. It's called keranjim. Keran means eggs. Jim means something that is steamed. Yes. So salt. you mix eggs and water and some salt. And, and I also then? put in a little bit of this. It's called seojot. Seojot is uh, shrimp. salted shrimp. So it gives you that fishy taste. Shrimp. Yes. Sue Suk and Do Ah first moved to Montgomery in 2008 for an internship with the Alabama Supreme Court. They had both attended the Handong International Law School in South Korea, where all classes are held in English. After the internship and a stint in Washington, D.C., Sue Suk found a job at a private practice in Montgomery, so they decided to move back. Do Ah works for the governor's office of minority affairs. They liked the hospitality and the friendliness of the people they met here. And their faith is important to them too, something they've connected with in Montgomery. All four of their children were born here. Their oldest is seven years old, and their youngest is just one. And even though neither Susuk or Doa work for the automakers, they were drawn to Montgomery by the numbers of Korean families moving here as a result of those plants and suppliers nearby. Other cities, uh, in their cases, mostly Korean people started from, I think, from the bottom. Many small business persons, they started from, like, you know, businesses like a grocery store, dry cleaners, and, and most of those small businesses, not like a big company is coming in and then people follow. Since they moved here, every year for a few months, Soo Suk's mom, Hyo Soon Kim, comes to visit from South Korea. She's a talented cook, even had her own television show in South Korea. She's here now, shuffling around the table quietly, her hair neatly combed back, stirring the bulgogi as it sizzles at the center of the table. It's thinly sliced ribeye, so it cooks within minutes. And then we all reach into the pan with our chopsticks, pulling meat onto a lettuce leaf to make a kind of taco. Samjang is the red, sweet, and spicy chili paste we can't live without, they say. And on top of that, chopsticks back in the mix to grab bits and pieces of the other banchan to eat, then into our mouths. I keep going back to the kimchi, the sour, pungent, fermented cabbage, bright red with chili flakes. It's kind of like the butter to your bread. <laughs> so if you don't have kimchi, it's not really a Korean table. Um, usually I make a, a whole batch. I buy a whole box of Napa cabbage, which has maybe eight to ten big ones, and then we eat it for about two to three months. She says she gets ribeye sliced in just the right way for Korean bulgogi at the local Costco, they even started carrying Napa cabbages for kimchi, Nongshim kimchi noodles, and Jia Jang Yun, Korean noodles in savory black bean sauce. Seoul Market is a substantial local Korean grocery. They stock refrigerators full of soups and stews and their own kimchi. But Do Ah still can't find water parsley, bellflower roots, or bracken, all basic things in Korea that she would blanch or season to eat as banchan, things that are missing from her table here. We have to learn how to make Korean food out of those ingredients that we can get here. Not necessarily going to Atlanta to go to a really big Korean grocery store. We, you know, we got to learn how to do it in Montgomery, right? Using uh, 
materials from here. So well, there are some you know some typical Korean vegetables that we use that we usually cannot find at American supermarkets, but. My mother-in-law, she's really creative, so sometimes she uses, you know, common American vegetables, like, you know, those small dill cucumbers for making pickles. We can make kimchi out of that, too. It's not always this Korean dinner at home anymore. Their kids are growing up in Montgomery, in Alabama, in America. Their eldest, Yukyum Abraham, each of their children has an American and a Korean name. He likes pizza. What's your favorite food? Uh... Corn dogs and hot dogs. And chicken nuggets. <laughs> um, um, and and one of those his, his favorite things oh, to eat is the steak that I cook. And yeah. macaroni and cheese. Um, and pizza, which is cheese pizza. I love catfish, fried catfish, fried okra. Fried chicken here, so that's maybe that's one of the reasons why we love South. <laughs> I'm trying to learn how to make some casseroles. <laughs> the one-pot meals. One meals, which is really great for a family like us. To, to Koreans, I think you know eating together is like a bonding experience. Yeah. We, you know, if you uh, get to know some new friends, then usually it's really um, frequently you see that uh, people just like to offer. Okay, why don't you? Uh, have some lunch together with me, or would you come over to my place to have dinner together with me? Something like that's very natural for us to get close to each other through eating together. That's why even uh, in a kind of Korean corporate culture, we ask people they get together a lot for lunch and for dinner, and yes, because that's how it works in in the Korean society. I think that's how we get things done together. So eating is a really important part of it. With food on our minds, Chef Edward Lee and I went to eat at a more traditional Korean restaurant in town the next day. Edward ordered the bulgogi, and he got a second order to go to bring to Chef Cynthia Davis, back where we started at the Davis Cafe. You got a special delivery. Cynthia pokes her head out of the kitchen and grins. She's surprised to see Edward back with what he'd promised, Korean food for lunch. She slowly walks to the front desk to greet us, wiping her hands on her apron. Edward pulls out the chopsticks and opens a box of bulgogi, the soy sauce marinated in stir-fried beef. This so is this, this is just... what Koreans eat. Like this is the really, it's a popular thing in Korean food. It's called bulgogi. It's called who? Bulgogi. What is it? That's the name of this dish. Edward also brought kimchi, a tofu stew, and also jugumi, pan-fried octopus sliced in a red chili sauce. But first, bulgogi and rice. Now that's nice. Now this guy has a good taste. Remember that? And the rice, okay. This is just soy sauce and sugar, really. Now with, now with, with the soy sauce, I have tried with some uh, beef, like real thin strips. And I grilled and sauteed with some onions and bear pepper and put that soy sauce on there. Now that's good. It's and put it similar. over rice. Yeah! It just came to mind. See that? Yeah. I have tried that. Okay, but I prepared it myself. Exactly. Yeah. Cynthia fumbles only briefly with the chopsticks. You said you, you don't use chopsticks, and now you're using it like well, you. I, I just I'm learning. I'm finna use them now. You should have brought me a whole peck of them. I could have learned every day. You have the raw talent. Like I can turn you Korean real fast. Okay, like, and I can turn you to African American. <laughs> Do you think you'd go out to a Korean restaurant now that you tried that? I may do that. May try. But remember, 
bulgogi. I will. And I'm going to tell my daughter to take me because I'm going to give her a try. Because she always said, Mama, try. She says it's, it's good. She tell me that all the time. Doa and Susuk have eaten at a few meet and threes in Montgomery. And Davis Cafe is on their list now that we've told them about it. Their new love of one pot casseroles, fried chicken, and cornbread is a good beginning. They may not find banchan and chopsticks at Davis, but they'll recognize the hospitality, that sense of welcome that has made them feel at home in a new place. SFA thanks Sarah Reynolds, a radio producer and digital storyteller whose work also appears on NPR. Gravy also thanks Natalie Magruder of Eat South, Krista Spring of Akeep, Sheila Korean Restaurant, and Robin Birdwell. Music for this episode is by Blue Dot Sessions and Lo Ka Ping. Our theme music is by Wendell Patrick. Donor music is by Jazar. Managing editor for this podcast and all other SFA content is Sarah Camp Milam. Our intern is Robin Miniter. For photos of the Korean dinner at Do Ah and Su Sook's in Montgomery, head to our website. That's southernfoodways.org. Also on our website, read Ann Taylor Pittman's essay on Korean Montgomery, From Bowling Alleys to Barbecue. That essay, along with this podcast and one more podcast on Korean barbecue in Coolsville, that one focused on Memphis, is part of SFA's 360-degree coverage of all things Korean and Southern. Two more things to know before you go. The SFA runs on donations from listeners like you. Truly, we couldn't do this without your dollars. Click the Make a Donation tab at southernfoodways.org. And as you go about your day, please remember, make cornbread, not war. Thank you.